Welcome into the fade. The last week we have a fill in for Mr. Clay Travis, who has been on vacation entirely too long. I am Kelly Stewart, otherwise known as Kelly in Vegas, and joined again by my good friend from South Florida, Joe Ranieri at Joe Ranieri on X. Joe and I do a couple of shows together, so make sure you guys check those out as well. Joe, pretty good, pretty good week for us. We got some really good feedback on social media, and that doesn't happen very often. Uh, was really excited by those, well, conference championship games because the bowl games have been so abysmal. That was nice to have a 2-0 there and not a bad week 17. Now we have a week 18 where things get a little more difficult to navigate. We're going to talk about how to handicap week 18, talk about who's playing and who's not, and maybe a few overreactions that we need to be betting on. But first, I wanted to get into this national championship because it is way more exciting than week 18 to me. The Washington Huskies up to five point underdogs. Now, this one opened to three and a half, and a prominent bookmaker told me a couple of weeks ago they'd probably be touchdown underdogs to Michigan, six point underdogs uh, to Bama. Now, Kalen DeBoer, perfect five and zero oh against the spread and straight up as an underdog. Tell me, the bookmakers are not counting out this Washington team once again. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, part of me hopes they are, Cal, so we can continue to get a better number on this. But the reality is, I, I think what we see is what we are going to get. I don't know that we're going to get a whole lot of movement in the total. I don't know that pretty much outside of that initial push, but once the limits start to get raised, we're going to start seeing, I think, money come in on both sides. I, I just don't know that... We're going to get a better number one way or the other here. Not like we saw that late money come in on Michigan against Alabama, pushing that thing to almost a field goal. It was never in jeopardy of getting there. Uh, and for the most part, Texas and Washington stayed pretty stagnant all week, kind of hovering right around that four. And then we saw a three and a half before kickoff. So I don't know that we're going to get any wild swings here because I think depending on who you think is going to win this game, will also depend on how you think the total is going to go. I think they are big time correlated in this one. Let's break it down a little bit further here. I think we can look at it from two separate angles. One, Michigan, as a Michigan backer, as somebody who had Michigan money line minus 125 and Michigan minus one and a half in pocket, I was very nervous. I mm -hmm. felt like Alabama got really lucky. There was some special teams blunders. And then when it went to overtime, the script got a little flipped, if you will. And I was very happy to cash that ticket. On the other hand, I felt like Washington was almost just a breeze. Sure, there was a chance there where Texas could have uh, made some better play calls and possibly won that game. But I do feel like Washington was the right side all along. Michigan, not so much, right? Nick Saban and company as a dog also getting a ton of love in the marketplace. And I thought, all right, bookmakers got this one wrong. The Tide are going to be in another national championship. But again, that's not how it ended up playing out. So that is kind of my concern here, that the public is going to rush to back Washington. Now, you gave us 7-1. to one. You said, hey, bet the futures line here on the Huskies last week on the show. So that is exactly what I did. Tell me if I should be maybe looking to hedge off of a little bit of that. 
Well, I, you know, I think this happens to be one of those games and matchups. And, and let's just say, I mean, it took us the final two, the two semifinal games to actually get a bowl game worth watching that was actually interesting. So I don't think it could have gone any better. It's amazing what happens when you don't have to worry about who the hell is playing on each team, isn't it? Uh, and no shocking uh, all of a sudden last second. Oh, he's not playing. They're not playing. So it actually works out pretty well once you have a good idea of who the teams are actually uh, who are going to be playing. And I think this one, it's two totally different worlds, right? It's also, I think, the matchup we were hoping for the most because this is a passing team, Washington. They have showed it. It is, without a doubt, the most prolific passing team in all of college football with what is the best passer in all of college football. Didn't win the Heisman. Not that I'm saying he was jilted because I think uh, Daniels was the right choice here. But there is no doubt that this kid is able to throw over everybody, including, and what we're about to find out, is a pretty damn good uh, Michigan defense. The problem comes in with the Michigan defense and everybody labeling it different. Oh, this is a different animal than anything they've seen all year. If we had a dollar for every time we heard that, Cal, trying to uh, looking at an underdog like this was, wait until they get a load of this defense. Yes, they're good. They're very, very good. That's why they're in the national championship game. But you've got to ask yourself, do you trust the offense of Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr. to be able to negate all of that extra edge you think Michigan's defense does. I always thought they did, which is why I jumped on the 7-1. I think passing, and I know defense wins championships, the old moniker, right? I don't think so in this one. I do think the passing and the creativity of the offense of Washington with more weapons then defenders for Michigan can handle. I think ultimately that's what's going to win this national championship for Washington. Now, I'm not going to say Washington's defense is better than Michigan's mm -hmm. by any feat, but Washington's defense deserves a little bit of credit for how they handled Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense. They, hey, I've seen them in person. They are no small feat. So I will give a slight nod there to the Huskies defense as well. It sounds like Joe and I will be on the same side, but I think I'm going to be waiting just a little bit longer, see if maybe a little more Michigan money doesn't come in and I can't get, let's call it a six here on Washington. We're going to pivot now, week 18, Joe. First question up, how in the heck do you handicap week 18? Week 17 used to be the, the problem. Now it just shifted. We have 17 games to play. Who's sitting out? Who needs a must win, right? We're going to hear that all week long. This team has to win this game. They don't get in the playoffs without, or they can still lose, but then they need X, Y, and Z to happen. So a couple of things I think we should focus on here, Cal, when trying to handicap week 18 is uh, do not assume a team doesn't want to win. All right. Uh, just check out last week's interview after the game with Mike Vrabel. Those of you in uh, Nashville know all about it all too well. I thought literally if he could have killed that reporter, he would have saying that losing sucks. Vrabel to want to lose a game is absolutely ridiculous to think about any coach or any organization not wanting to because of maybe draft position. Let us not assume that teams and coaches don't want to win. Of course they want to win. So there is no rolling over. And by the way, don't assume that just because a coach and a team is eliminated from the playoffs, a la Sean Payton in Denver, let's say, for instance, 
Do you think he is not watching every single player on his team who's going to be on that team next year wanting to know whether or not they're giving effort, if they're worth keeping? This is an audition for a lot of those teams as well. So don't assume anything in week 18. Understand nobody wants to lose. Nobody gives a crap about uh, draft position one way or the other. And this is a job. These are grown-ass men. These are professionals. They are auditioning to keep their jobs. Keep that in mind. Very good point. And that's why I want to start off with the Saturday game. That means, well, a little bit more to the Pittsburgh Steelers than it does the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers currently, hey, Mike Tomlin still never had a losing season. Nine and seven. The Pittsburgh Steelers are three and a half point favorites at the Baltimore Ravens. Total 36 and a half. A couple of key notes here. By all means, we're going to assume there's going to be no Lamar, right, for this game. But having three weeks off is never a good thing, Joe Ranieri, especially for a guy who has yet to prove himself here in the playoffs, albeit the Ravens have clinched the one seed, so they don't have anything to play for. But again, these two teams hate each other. Exactly it, Cal. And let us not forget, Baltimore was in this spot, I believe, back in 2019, uh, there was, you know, they had had, I believe, the the number one seed there. They ended up losing, of course, to Tennessee uh, that year there. But the, all the starters had rested. And I know Harbaugh this week, the quotes coming out of there is that it's a different year. Don't take anything into that. I'm not really sure. I mean, listen, it's the bottom line. The Steelers need to win. The Ravens do not. But... You're right about this. I mean, this is Harbaugh, the guy that set the record for preseason wins because he believes winning is a culture, right? You don't play to lose. You don't put yourself in a position to lose, especially against your rival. You're just going to lay down and let them beat you. I don't see that. It's a tough game. I think Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph has found something in the vertical passing, but this is a tough game just to think that Pittsburgh is going to go out there and roll all over. Even the backups of Baltimore hate Pittsburgh. It's a tough game. It is. Tyler Huntley, I wouldn't call him necessarily a perfect carbon copy of Lamar Jackson, but he sure knows how to mm. run that offense. I'm with you. I'm staying away from that one. The Saturday night game, Houston heads to Indianapolis as one and a half point favorites. Total 47 and a half. Again, a must-win game here for the Texans. They got Nico Collins back last week, C.J. Stroud, and hey, they looked pretty good. Albeit, the Colts, Gardner Minshew, he has made me have to eat my words. Joe Ranieri, this one is also very tough. The AFC South, by, you know, by these standards, Jags will have to beat the Panthers, and then they clinch the AFC South. What are we doing as far as a breakdown for this game? Do you have a side or a total bet here? Well, it's interesting because this is really a playoff elimination game, right? The winner is in, the loser goes home. Uh, the winner has a chance to win the South. Uh, if the Jags lose on Sunday, then the winner of this game not only makes the playoffs, but you know they're also uh, in an opportunity to be able to have a game and host a game. Now, the Colts won the first meeting, remember, back in week two, and I remember because, uh, yeah, I had uh, the Texans there. The Texans had more plays that they ran, Cal. They had more third down conversions. They had more time of possession, but they kept fumbling the ball and giving Indy an opportunity to take advantage of short fields, which, to their credit, they did here. 
I don't see that happening again in this spot. I think that's why we've seen the line flip. I think Houston is ready for this. Uh, they're finally healthy enough to be able to take advantage and get even. A little same-season revenge here against their division rival, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I think I'm going to wuss out. I think I'm going to be teasing the Colts mm. here with maybe another team in the Denver Broncos. We'll see if we can get those to fall within the touchdown numbers. Now, the NFC South is a little bit more, uh, well, complicated, if you will. So we're going to talk about the Falcons and the Saints. But first, if the Bucks, who are five and a half point favorites, win, they get in. But if they lose and the Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons... New Orleans then wins the division and gets to host a playoff game. So this game does mean a lot more to the Saints, who are three-point favorites at home. Total, 42.5. Saints off a nice win over the Bucks last week. I did what's out there, too, and put them in a teaser. Didn't even need it. Can't believe I did not take the 2.5 when it came off that key number of three. Those are the, the ones that you, you kind of just want to forget about and say, you know, sometimes I wish – that I would have had a little more guts week 17. Joe, break this one down here because the Falcons have had, a, we'll call it a little trouble in paradise as well. Yeah, so but the interesting part about this is, and yes, the Bucs looked uh, uh, just awful against the Saints at home there. But I do think in the back of their mind, Cal, they knew they had a, a safety net here, right? Because all they need to do is beat the Panthers and then they win the NFC South, right? But the interesting part is this game is on at exactly the same time that the Falcons and Saints game is. So the winner of that game, should the Bucs lose by some crazy chance, which is it's Baker Mayfield after all, that team would be, of course, whoever won that game, that would be your NFC South uh, winner here. So I'd be looking very carefully at both of these games for a possible live betting opportunities to jump in because if we're scoreboard watching, I can assure you that both of these teams are going to be scoreboard watching. So uh, pay attention, but there's no doubt we're paying a premium to back Tampa here. We're already seeing the line go through the roof. We've got an owner that's throwing drinks on fans of the other team. I mean, it's, it is a mess. Nobody has any idea what is the future holds for him in Carolina it's the right side. It just depends. Does it get out of control where all the value is back in Carolina, which it looks like the market is starting to draw a line in the sand there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know when the time to back the Carolina Panthers mm. is. I've basically been all but dead wrong on them multiple times this year. Uh, a team that by all means should be resting Joe Flacco and the rest of this offense. And the line has certainly indicated that Cleveland is now a seven point dog at Cincinnati. The total is dropping as well. 37 and a half here. Now Cincinnati has got a great story as well, right? We can talk about the Browns and how they're going to win the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, but this is a meaningless game for this team, right? There is no reason to march him out there and get him hurt. But on the flip side, this offense has been clicking really well. Does that uh, come into play here? Zach Taylor, well, he's not going to get coach of the year. They've done an excellent job in Cincinnati, keeping everybody kind of focused, right? Jake Browning won a couple of road games for them, especially as big underdogs. These are two other teams that really hate each other, but we'll see what Cleveland's defense is going to allow from this one. I thought this total looked a little, a little low here, considering we are going to see uh, probably DTR for the Browns. 
Yeah, uh, provided he is uh, healthy enough, has all his marbles, he'll be good to go here. It doesn't get absolutely destroyed again. Uh, but here's the thing to keep in mind. The most interesting part about this game for me, Kel, is the fact that we know the Browns are locked into the number five seed, right? So they're going to travel to face the winner of whoever the winner of the AFC South is. That's during wild card weekend, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is a Saturday game. So now that puts the Browns on a short week. And given all the injury concerns here with the Browns and what they've had, I'd be shocked literally if any starters played that have any injuries whatsoever here. So I think we're going to get even less from the Cleveland Browns in this one, just simply because, hey, they got to play on Saturday. They know they're already locked in, which means they are already going to be at a day uh, of rest uh, disadvantage here. So I don't expect a whole lot from the Browns in this one. Yeah, I do not either. But sometimes when you snooze on that line, you lose. Mm -hmm. Probably best to just stay away at this point in time. A game we already touched on, Jags win and they get in. But maybe somebody else watched this Rables press conference because Tennessee's getting a little bit of early money. Jacksonville now a five-point favorite at the Titans. Uh, 40 pretty much across the board on the odd screen here, Joe, mm. for the total. Again, Jacksonville wins. They get in. But Jacksonville has had their fair share of issues this year. Now, when they played back in November, Jags made it look really easy. Jags defense, we'll see how they come to play against this Titans team. But again, Titans are tough to back. But sometimes at home, as an underdog, this is a team that I like to look at. That ugly loss to the Texans last week, kind of still in the back of my mind, might end up keeping me off this one. It's tough. I mean, and again, we I know the reports were that, you know, Lawrence was kicking and screaming last week trying to uh, play, but it's kind of the first game. I think they said that he's missed in a very, very uh, long time here. And uh, listen, Jacksonville is the hardest team for me, Cal, this year to figure out what you're going to get on a week to week basis, because they have basically underperformed after what we got last year, they have underperformed at every step here. And now you've got Vrabel in a tent. That press conference was telling guys, if you think anybody's rolling over here in Tennessee, that's not the case, but then it becomes just a simple matter of talent. How much talent do the Titans really have offensively to give what we saw last week? If that Jags defense shows up this week against Tennessee, it's going to be a very low-scoring game for Tennessee, and I don't see how they win. I lean towards Jacksonville to win this game, but I will not bet against Vrabel with an opportunity to stick it to anybody. Very, very good point. Uh, you know who else I think would like to stick it to somebody? Dan Campbell. Ooh. After how they lost in Dallas last week, they are a three-point favorite at home. Total 46. The Vikings don't control their own destiny, but in a best-case scenario, you think they're going to play loose. If they win this game, have a couple other things go their way, they can sneak into the playoffs. Justin Jefferson, uh, if you're a prop better, he needs 118 yards to reach 1,000 yards for his fourth consecutive season. Maybe, just maybe, Kevin O'Connell might pass him the ball a few more times than normal to get him over that hump since he missed a few games. The Lions, as we know, great as underdogs. They're also great in the Division 12-3 and three against the spread in their last 15 divisional games. 
Joe, break this one down for me. I need the Vikings to make the playoffs. I got them plus 110 uh, back in August. It's kind of a pipe dream at this point in time because you mentioned Vrabel sticking it to people. Dan Campbell, man, he might be more stubborn than me. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Well, apparently uh, nobody is more uh, stubborn than uh, Coach O'Connell here in Minnesota because he refuses to run the ball, Cal. He just, remember when Minnesota used to run the ball, even with Kirk Cousins, right? Remember they used to have running back, they'd hand left, they'd hand right. That would increase the ability to be able to complete passes down. No, 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 not O'Connell. He is just going to ask, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. He's just going to ask him to continue to try to throw the ball, throw the ball until they throw themselves out of a game and they'll never be able to come back here. This is tough. I think we're starting to see that defense crack. We saw it last week against Green Bay. Uh, there's only so much that Brian Flores can do. I mean, it was lipstick on a pig all year with this defense. They all overperformed. I think you're asking an awful lot of Minnesota to go to Detroit and uh, and throw all over them in a defense that is starting to ramp up and is starting getting ready for that playoff push here with a coach who will show absolutely no mercy here. It would be Detroit or pass for me. I would have to unfortunately agree with mm. you there. The New York Jets got my teaser money there. One and a half point dogs at the New England Patriots. And the reason why, because the total's 30 and a half, Joe. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> this low of a scoring of a game, it's almost an automatic teaser play. I understand that there is so many question marks here, right? What are we going to get from the Jets who ended up six and 10 on the season? Do they care to win this game? We know that Aaron Rodgers is coming back next year. Robert Sala is coming back next year. Do they just pack it in at this point on the flip side, Bill Belichick, is he going to pack it in and maybe be the new coach of the Carolina Panthers or the Los Angeles chargers? I know that Bill Belichick is one of those guys who doesn't like to lose, but we do know that his team is just decimated with injuries at some point in time do they just say okay we're just gonna go through the motions here it's the jets it's the patriots neither one of us care so i'm and again that was kind of when we started this cal we were talking about some of the the do's and don'ts in week 18 of the nfl season this year's week 18 of the nfl season we're not guessing as to who wants to play i'm not assuming anything but here's what we do know 
Uh, the Jets haven't beat the Patriots since 1978 uh, or somewhere in there between. I think it's, what, 15 games? This would be 16 if they lose straight here. They've only covered the Jets two out of the last 10 times that they have played the Pats. And we've talked about it last week. The idea that this he lost the locker room, Belichick, have you seen what this team has been doing with absolutely no talent on the offensive side of the ball Injuries up and down, and yet they have the best uh, running defense in the NFL, which has kept them in games. The weather is not great. By the way, Zach Wilson has already been ruled out, uh, so it's going to be Trevor Simeon. What do you think Belichick is going to do there? Brees Hall ain't beating the Patriots. He's going to make Trevor Simeon have to try to beat the Patriots, and we all know how this is ultimately going to end. It won't be pretty. But ultimately, like it always has, it'll end in a Patriots victory. A Patriots victory, hopefully like something horrific. 13-10. <laughs> oh, it will be. 13-6. Anything yes. to keep me within that teaser, Joe. Yep. Uh, we spoke about this game just briefly. That was the Bucks panthers This one's come down a little bit now on the odd screen. Tampa Bay now four-and-a-half-point favorites from the opener here. As I yep. mentioned, the Bucks win and they get in. But if they lose, then Saints beat the Falcons. They get in and get a host of playoff game. So something here, a little trouble in paradise uh, in Carolina when David Tepper starts throwing drinks at fans of oppo uh, opposing fans. That's never a good sign. I think he was fined $300,000 uh, yeah. once it was all said and done. But I haven't seen official reports on that. You had mentioned Bucks or pass here. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, he's probably got it in the couch cushions in the office there. Oh, uh, here, here's your 300K and a fine. Enjoy yourself here. Yeah, no, he uh, strikes me as a bit angry, but that's a different conversation. It is bucks or pass uh, altogether here. No way could Carolina get my money in week 18. I do think it, any one team, Carolina, must win situation you referred to earlier it's probably Tampa, and I don't love Baker Mayfield as a favorite anywhere, but this is probably the spot that they bounce back since they no-showed last week. Yeah, they did. It looked like Baker Mayfield uh, turned into his <laughs> former self there for uh, four quarters. It was mm -hmm. not good if you had the Bucks, It was perfect if you had the Saints, but of course I had them in a teaser. All right, a game that makes me very nervous here. Uh, that's because I have... Bears under seven and a half wins plus 120 from August. There's a quite a few things coming down to the wire here for me this week, Joe. And this one now Bears plus three at the Packers. Packers, if they win, they are in. The Bears have already locked up the top spot of the NFL draft and will not be getting in to the playoffs. But again, teams that hate each other. Let's see what this Bears defense is able to do. I just hope for my sanity that this team just goes ahead and loses. Let the Packers in in my household. Uh, I have a Packer backer, me holding a Bears under ticket. That would be a perfect scenario. But we all know it's the NFL. It's week 18. There is no perfect scenario. It, there, there's not, but we already saw the Packers beat them once this year, right? Early on in the season, I think the opening uh, week, right? Uh, it's in Lambeau. Packers coming off a very impressive road victory against Minnesota, right? It, this team has been Jekyll and Hyde all year long. Now, I don't expect Chicago to roll over here, 
But here's what we know about the Bears, Gal. They we already know they have the number one pick in the draft, right? So let's start with that. There's no guessing. They're going to have it. Win or lose this game, they're going to have it. They also know Eberflus is coming back already. They already signed him quietly to an extension there. They locked up Montez Sweat. In all likelihood, uh, this is Fields' team now. They're going to keep him uh, moving forward. So there's not a lot of guesswork. There's not a lot of animosity with Chicago right now. But what there might be is a lack of being able to go on the road and win a game at Lambeau. Why? What does the history tell us? And yes, I know it's Aaron Rodgers in the past, but even Jordan Love, he's already beaten him this year. You're not going to Lambeau and running over the Packers with an opportunity to win. I do think it's going to be a great game, but ultimately I think uh, I think it's one that's going to be won by the Packers and Jordan Love, uh, who's going to come up big in this game so we can all put the rest, whether he is a actual franchise quarterback or not. Yeah, Green Bay, 0-3 against the spread as Jordan Love in the favorite position. Mm. That is the one caveat that makes me a little apprehensive. You mentioned the history there with the Chicago Bears, Joe, but unfortunately there is an asterisk because mm. their quarterback was named Aaron Rodgers <laughs> during <laughs> that time. Another really interesting uh, spot here, Dallas Cowboys kind of came, well, not out of nowhere, but kind of more or less the Philadelphia Eagles gift wrapped them an NFC East championship here, uh, 11 and five on the season facing the four and 12 commanders. They are 13 point road favorites, total 46. What do we expect here from the Cowboys? Well, their defense we know is much better at home than on the road. They've now lost two straight on the road and are just three and five away from AT&T stadium. I, I mean, look, the commanders completely Sam Howell, not the answer. Ron Rivera, not the answer. What are we doing here with this one? I, I last week I said, Hey, I would love for the Cardinals to uh, upset the Eagles in a joking manner, a complete mm. joke in our group chat. And it happened. Yep. I mean, are we going to see this commanders team just say maybe the Cowboys really don't care and somehow at least cover this one. I, I can't possibly see it. Okay. I mean, again, this is one of those franchises, Washington, that knows changes are coming. I don't know what the hell Eric Bieniemy was doing this year. I have no idea what he thought was going to happen. Um, you know, we all know Rivera's gone. Bieniemy is not going to be getting any job, not only not in Washington, but possibly no place else here either with the way he's handled the offense here of Washington with those weapons. Now, Dallas, very, tr I get it, tough to trust in this particular spot, but the Cowboys are smart enough to understand that they want to go in playing well to the playoffs, right? They don't want to have to struggle to beat Washington. I mean, and I don't think they will struggle to beat Washington here. I don't think Washington, it's a mess of a franchise. Change is coming. They're going to, you know, they're going to power wash the whole place out, man, and bring all sorts of new people in here. I think Dallas goes in, handles business, may not be pretty at times, but ultimately they will get this victory probably going away. I'm not running to the window to lay two touchdowns, but Dallas is going to win this game. I would have to agree with you there. I was very hard for me to say that one uh, with a straight face. Mm. Another team that I put in a teaser, the Denver Broncos, two and a half point underdogs mm. at the Las Vegas Raiders. Joe, I'm not going to bet this game any other way than that because I have a Broncos over eight and a half wins ticket that I was a little concerned about when Sean Payton said, 
hey, Russell Wilson, we're done with you. <laughs> but Broncos looked okay last week with Jared Stidham under center. I don't know. They got to play Easton Stick and the Chargers. But this week, they get to play Aiden O'Connell and the Las Vegas Raiders. You mentioned that the Broncos have nothing to play for. Well, neither do the Raiders here. So this makes it an interesting handicap. Yeah, it does, uh, especially since we have an interim head coach. And I usually don't like to bet interim head coaches in week 18 either because there's so many questions going on. I know uh, Pierce ended up meeting with uh, Mark Davis there for a couple hours after last week's uh, game there. So uh, some reports are saying he does have the inside track on the job, that Davis is not going to screw this one up like he did uh, last time uh, with the interim head coach. So it, it's a tough spot. But the thing that stuck out to me in this game, Cal, who the hell is scoring 38 points? Like both defenses have been absolutely locked down. And now I'm expecting what? Jared Stidham to throw all over and somehow or another run over this Raiders defense, which is single-handedly, if he does get the job, they got him the job with how well they have been playing. And Denver's defense held, well, again, you know, uh, Elmer's glue and duct tape and everything else with the Chargers, what's going on. But Denver's defense is still playing hard. They're still auditioning. I don't see how the hell this thing gets to 38 points. I don't know where the points are coming from. So it's strictly an under game for me. More good news for my teaser bet. That was one of those mm -hmm. spots where I thought, okay, this is going to be an ugly nine to seven mm -hmm. finish. Kansas City, three and a half point underdogs to the Los Angeles Chargers, total 35. Now, I've accused Andy Reid of being a liar before, Joe, because he's mm -hmm. never told me the truth at a press conference in his existence. He says that nobody is playing this week. The bookmakers seem to believe him, right? In theory, that's what this line is telling us. None of the starters are playing. We're going to rest everybody, get everybody ready for the playoffs. Chargers, though, Austin Eckler, is he going to mm -hmm. play? I mean, I do believe he has some incentives that could go his way. That might be some motivation for him, depending on if it's his last game in a Chargers uniform or not. He might want to show off just a little bit. I can't even use any of these, you know, 10 game sample sizes, 16 game sample sizes that I have in the database because none of it matters. Mm -hmm. Andy Reed says, you know, he'd like to see some people play in this spot, but I just don't believe him. But the problem is here, if I'm not mistaken, Cal, that I think Kansas City is going to need help, but I think they can still improve their position here if everything breaks well, but they got to win. Right. So it's not as if Kansas City is just like, oh, well, I mean, don't forget, this is a Chiefs team that has never really had to go on the road during the playoffs, have they? Uh, it's something where it's always had to come through uh, Arrowhead. But I, I still think there's a chance they can improve their their seating in this uh, in this one, which I think would be big for them. So the idea that Kansas City, because they've been playing so well, over the last month, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I don't buy it. Uh, and the idea that Easton Stick and the Chargers are laying this many points against anybody, much less the Kansas City Chiefs, is totally head-scratching. So I tend to believe that maybe Andy Reid is telling half a truth. Maybe there will become a point in this game where some guys will take a seat. But the idea that everybody is sitting... I'm not buying it here. Not if there is still an ability for you to improve your positioning in the seating. I didn't have any notes on that, but I will double check and make sure to post on Twitter or 
as we call it now, X, because mm. that is interesting. I did not get that memo. I thought I'd went through all of the scenarios. A big scenario here for the Los Angeles Rams, uh, three Oof. and a half point underdogs to San Francisco, total 42. San Fr- both teams got nice wins, right? And their playoff feet, feet is well sealed, if you will, right? The Rams, six seed, Niners, one seed. So maybe there is nothing really to play for here, Joe. Except for the fact that I've always seen that teams this time of year, and they know this because there's enough experience on a very young team there with the Rams, that you you have been playing your best football during this final month of the season. What, now all of a sudden you're going to stop? And and now you're just going to – we're going to pack it in and, oh, we're going to be able to flip that light switch next – no, uh, and I think McVeigh knows that, and I think uh, Stafford knows that, Aaron Donald knows that. There is no way, and even though the 49ers have nothing to play for, we get it in all likelihood with those injuries. We are getting less than uh, you know the full complement here. But I, it's not the same for the Rams. I, it is really important for such a young team to keep that momentum going, keep playing well, because you didn't play well with the Giants, but you got the win anyway. So I think it's even more important that they show up this week and show out and play and take it to the 49ers and take that momentum into the playoffs. I'm with you, Joe. I do like this. Now the Niners have kind of owned the Rams, right? Nine and Mm -hmm. one straight up. This is a chance for the Rams to change that. And as you mentioned, take that momentum into the playoffs. They are on my long list. I have yet to make a wager, by the way, Mm. going into this week. Just kind of treading lightly. Again, I've got a lot of futures bets pending uh, from back in August. So there's some uh, things to already root for, if you will. Maybe some I'm going to come back on the other side if I end up not liking those spots. But this is one that I definitely have circled. Another one I have circled. uh, The Philadelphia Eagles are now five-point favorites Mm. at the New York Giants. Boy, oh boy. Eagles, have we seen regression hit you like a ton of bricks? Their past defense has been atrocious. Their secondary is so inconsistent. Maybe the brotherly shove is not it. But, Joe, I'm not going to be wagering on this game because I have Eagles from our good friend Ariel Epstein under 11 and a half wins. Do I have any shot to cash this with uh, Tyrod Taylor and the Giants? He has given them a little, we'll call it a spark on offense. Yeah, well, you and you and I are we're both in that same boat because you and I both stuck a fork in the Eagles and then had to watch them go what nine and oh uh to start to see winning every game, getting every break. But boy, oh boy, we hope that regression would hit. And it's hitting a big way here, hasn't it, for the Eagles? And in what world, after what we just saw two weeks ago from this team against the Giants here what we're supposed to think all is well uh that this is this is a team that does not have issues right now that uh they are somehow going to go to MetLife and run over the Giants absolute this is not a well-oiled machine right now this engine is broke uh and it could be broke running right into the playoffs on a losing streak and being a one-and-done type of team. That is exactly what the Eagles look like. That's what they feel like. This coaching staff is an absolute mess right now, and yet there's a calmness with the Giants uh, who are – I said it two weeks ago, Cal. The Giants lose this game, which they eventually ended up doing there. 
There is no way, I don't care what the number is, there is no way I'm laying any number with Philadelphia the second go around in uh, in a couple of weeks. And that's exactly the way I am playing it. I think the Giants not only cover this, but have a really good shot of pulling the upset here when it matters the most. And that is how they'll ride off into the postseason here. Very interesting in regards to the total 42, mm. nine of the last 11 have went over the total between these two. Nor'easter. Uh, might, we might see a shootout here <laughs> on uh, Sunday yep. afternoon. Another interesting game here in regards to Seattle mm. and Arizona. Seattle's a three-point favorite at the Cardinals. Total 47 and a half. I mentioned Bears <laughs> already got that number one draft seed locked up. Kyler Murray. Whether he plays in this game or not, I have yet to hear. But I'm going to be really curious is if he's going to be a Cardinal next year. So let's see kind of how this carries over from that Eagles win last week. Apparently, this team wants to win. But the Seahawks also need to win to have a shot here at the postseason. As I mentioned, they have to have a little bit of help to get in. I think the Bears have to beat the Packers first and foremost. Yep. Yeah, and but the problem is, I mean, and I'm disappointed in the Seattle team because I had their uh, win total uh, over here. I was hoping they would show uh, better resilience down the stretch, but the schedule has been absolutely brutal. But, you know, the way you played defense last week against the Steeler running backs, arm tackling, I mean, it was like video game uh, numbers on the ground last week against this Seattle defense it's not good. I mean, they've lost what five of their last seven games. It's, it has been an absolute mess and you're right. Arizona, huge win last week at home divisional game. Uh, It feels like I'm going to get even less defense this year, uh, this week. And the total is definitely in play. I think 47, 47 and a half. And while yes, Seattle, and it was an interesting game. The first go around too this season, wasn't it all of a sudden, Arizona, before they knew what to do, they were down uh, two scores, three scores, and the floodgates opened up. I think it's going to happen again here. I just don't see these defenses stopping the offenses. I think Connor has a huge day. I think so does Metcalf and company. It's over for me here in this one. Yeah, that one is one of the highest totals of the weekend. Another high total in the game that matters the most to me, Bill's three-point favorites at Miami. On Sunday night, Hard Rock Stadium, total 49 and a half. Joe, I have uh, a Dolphins plus 275 to win the AFC East ticket. I marched into Hard Rock a couple of weeks ago, and I said, ooh, Bills plus 220. Went to make a wager over the counter, and they said, psych, Bills plus 190. And I said, (laughs) oh, I don't think I want to hedge my plus 275 ticket. Now I'm thinking probably, maybe should have hedged. This Bills team... Uh, has been closing the gap against the Dolphins for weeks now, right? We know Tua is going to play, but he does have a shoulder injury. And Josh Allen had a stinger last week against the Pats. He's not 100% either, but I also haven't been that impressed with him. I know they're getting a lot of love, but he just averaged 166 passing yards over the last three games. Just one touchdown pass and, of course, two interceptions. Again, I like Josh Allen. I compared him to Brett Favre to start the season way before all the other talking heads did. Uh, I just don't like them here on Sunday, but I don't think I can make a wager and double down here on the Dolphins. 
it's it's tough but kudos to the nfl i mean we were hoping there would be one game kind of for all the marbles like there is here uh you know i mean the winner of this game wins the afc east i mean it doesn't get any better which is why it was flexed into the last game there on sunday night but keep in mind the dolphins have already clinched a playoff spot so they're they're playing playoff football one way or the other here the bills well, keep in mind, if Pittsburgh wins and Jacksonville wins and they lose this game to Miami, Buffalo's not in the playoffs. Buffalo's season is over. So this is much more pressure here on Buffalo than it is Miami. But having said that, how is Miami in a good place right now? No Raheem Mostert, uh, 21 touchdowns this week, uh, not playing last week, may not play this week. Jalen Waddle was out. Tyreek Hill is obviously not 100%. Two is now had to leave the game last week, has a shoulder injury against the uh, the Ravens. I mean, this is absolute craziness how beat up this team is, not to mention the Bills have owned them over the last couple of seasons. You know, they dropped 70 on Denver and everything was puppy dogs and rainbows earlier this year. Then they went to Buffalo and got smoked 48 to 20. I, I just, there's no way I can look at Miami and say, even with all of these guys back, you know, they're going to be less than a hundred percent. This is not an offense uh, that I want going into a do or die game that I want to be betting, even though they're home, it's Buffalo or pass for me. And now we sweat. It's going to be an awesome week 18. Mm. Good luck on all your bets. This has been the fade. We'll be back for the NFL playoffs. I've been Kelly Stewart, Joe Ranieri. Again, we'll see Clay next week.